Welcome to King Solomon and the Stoics, a project of denvercolel.org. In this episode, we're going to discuss the art of effective living, of striking the balance between outwardness and inwardness, between expansiveness and simple-mindedness. We have people who are outward-focused, who are always exploring new opportunities, meeting new people, getting involved in new subjects, new disciplines. And in doing so, oftentimes they discover new strengths, new talents, new passions, new potential. But sometimes they get lost. They lose their connection to their inner core and they don't have any way of tying everything they do and engage with back to their self. And so they're scattered all over the place. They have no inner strong core that is the underlying reason, the underlying passion, the underlying sense of purpose of why they're here in this world. On the other extreme, you have people who are simple-minded, inward-focused, never deviate from their daily schedule. They aren't out there meeting new people, aren't engaging in new experiences, and sometimes they never really get to know their true self and get to really bring out their potential simply because they never tried. On the other hand, there's a great value that they may have a strong core, but they may not know their real core because they simply have never met it. There's a balance, there's a golden road in the middle where a person can really live effectively. And it seems in a certain sense almost unattainable. But there's some great tools that King Solomon provides in the first part of chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes Kohelas with the help of the comments of the great Kabbalist Moshe David Vali we can hopefully unpack some of this wisdom and apply it in our lives. What we're going to see as we go through these first several verses is how Solomon journeys through a few different pieces, a few different facets of life. One, he talks about suffering, he talks about the untimely death of a person and the suffering that the relatives experience. He talks about how, in a certain sense, those who have passed away are greater than those who are alive, in a certain sense, as we will discover. He talks about the great tragedy of the death of a very young person. And then he goes on to talk about how when people engage in this world, even when they're doing good things, even when they're doing good works, very often it's just for jealousy, just for the sake of honor. And that really defines so many good things that people do with an ulterior motive. So he goes on to talk about someone who look, takes a look at this and says, well, if most things that people do are done for ulterior motives, are done for honor-seeking, I'm just not going to do anything. And he talks about the fallacy of that argument. And finally, he, can, he, he wraps up the, the, the first several verses leading towards verse 10 and 11, talking about the value of friendship and how when two people get together, and even stronger, he goes on to talk in verse 12 about three people getting together. That is even stronger. That's even stronger alliance that can stand up to the forces of evil. So let's go back and see a thread, a connecting thread here between those themes. Again, the theme of the suffering, of the untimely death, of the purification of the death of the wicked, of the jealousy and honor-seeking that, that involves so much of the good things that people do, and finally, the concept of friendship, the concept of three are stronger, the two are stronger than one, and three are even stronger than that. So let's try and unpack this. 
Ramosh David Rally explains that Solomon sees how a young person passes away and how the relatives are suffering. And consolation is far removed, it's distant. It's not in this realm. Consolation really exists somewhere beyond this realm. It can't be expressed in words. And in a case where that connection with the source of consolation, ultimately Hashem, is not strong, consolation, in fact, is unattainable at that moment. And perhaps we can understand a little bit of this by, by prefacing with the following question, which is something that relates to the two extremes that we began with, which was the person who's outward focused and the person who's inward focused. And this is the question of quality versus quantity. We live in a world where quantity reigns supreme. Everything is about quantity. And so when we see a person who lived a long life, we don't stop to question what they did with that life. But we feel that they lived well because they lived to an old age. But what about the fact that they may have wasted 90% of their life? That question doesn't come to the conversation, doesn't come to the table very often. But we need to understand that in the world of truth, quality is absolutely more powerful. It absolutely wins over quantity. It's quality that matters. And as we'll see, when a person lives well, what they arrive at is quality. When a person lives well, they should have a quantity. They should have a lot of experiences because it's engaging in the world that allows the person to arrive at the true, true quality. The Four Solomon says in verse 2, I praise those who have passed away because their wickedness, he talks of a wicked person who's passed away, their wickedness has been broken and what remains is a pure soul. What remains is the pure quality of the soul. And in a certain sense, that's more valuable than the quantity of life that a living person who may have lived a long life has. It's much greater to attain purity and says Solomon, even one who lived a, a wicked life, at the end, by being broken through the suffering of death, they attain purity. That's how he understands verse 2. And in verse 3, he talks about someone who never came to this world in the first place. And Ramosh Davidavali explains that that's talking about the great tragedy of a very young person passing away. A person who didn't live in this world long enough to get to know evil and be tempted by it and have to stand up to it. Such a person, says Ramosh Davidavali, such a young person who passed away so tragically, has touched purity and just purity. What they've expressed in their small, short lifespan is just quality, just purity. And that's enduring, that's forever in a certain sense, that's much more valuable than the life of the person who lived long and experienced many things, but wasn't able to connect them back to their core, wasn't able to build quality out of that quantity. That's how Ramosha David Valley understands verse 3. And he goes on to explain, from here Solomon asks the following question. Okay, so we understand that the person who lived a shorter life, they may have had greater quality. Their life may have been more pure. But surely there are great things that they could have accomplished. Surely there are great doings, great institutions, great acts of kindness, great things they could have built had they lived longer. To that, Solomon adds, I looked at everything that happens, at all the good deeds that man does and performs, and I noticed and I realized that so much of it is done for honor-seeking. 
So much of it is done for ulterior motives. So much of it is tainted. And so therefore Solomon says, don't excessively mourn the loss of opportunity that this young person who passed away didn't have. Because so much of that opportunity, looking around and seeing accomplished people, recognize and realize that so much of what they do is driven by seeking, by searching for glory, for honor that is so vain, so meaningless, so worthless. But Solomon says, lest you say, well, if what people are doing when people are engaged in goodness and kindness, it's tainted and it's driven by ulterior motives, by honor seeking, so I won't do anything. I will mind my own business. Why get involved in trying to do and trying to help when I know that what most people do is really self-serving acts of service for others? Why even bother? Why even try? I'll mind my own business. I'll stick with my inward focus. I'll limit my engagement with the world and that way I'll remain more pure. That Solomon says in verse 5, that is the argument of the fool. The fool gathers together his hands and he eats his flesh. The flesh is the external. The soul is the internal. Solomon says, this, the fool who says, I only go for purity. I only go for quality. And therefore, I'm not going to engage in the world. I'm not going to meet new people. I'm not going to engage new experiences. I'm not going to take on new challenges. Because what for? What for? What's the purpose? So many people are doing it for the wrong reasons. That fool, all he gets to eat is his flesh. He only taps into his external self. He never meets his true self because the true self can only be discovered through exploration, through being out there, through doing things, through taking on new challenges, taking on new responsibilities. Only that way can a person really discover their unfolding true inner self. What a person knows to be, them, to be their self at the beginning of life may not be the potential, is not the potential self that, can, that they can bring forth, that they can develop. There's so much greatness that's deep within every human being, but it needs to be brought out, it needs to be developed through action. And in verse 5, Solomon describes the fool who gathers together his hands, he doesn't act, and therefore he only taps into the external at nature of himself and of life. He never taps into the in- deeper internal, real inward meaning of things because paradoxically is too inward focused. Solomon goes on to talk now about the value of friendship and finally the value of three friends. What's the point that he's trying to make? And Rosh Hashanah Valley explains that we know Kabbalistically there's great importance in right, left, and center. Right represents connection, love, Left represents strictness, judgment, strength, and withholding. Center represents a synthesis of the two, a beautiful harmonious blend of the two extremes. And we have to endeavor to tap into that harmonious blend. We have to hold on to our inward focus. Sometimes we have to hold back. Sometimes we have to stay home. Sometimes we have to say that experience is not for me. On the other hand, we need to go out. We need to go beyond our comfort zone. We need to connect. And that way we can come to a harmonious blend of those two elements and discover our deeper inner self. Solomon says, to go back to verse 6, he says the following words. It is better to have one handful of tranquility than two handfuls of toil, of stress. 
What this means is a Moshe David Valley, bringing us back to our starting point and to the, un- fund- the fundamental underlying theme of this episode. There's one handful, there's one small point of inner essence that every person has. And going through life and meeting new people, engaging in new experiences and taking on new challenges is the means for discovering that inner essence. But we always have to nurture that inner essence and we always have to seek to connect it. We always have to seek to understand what is it that I stand for? Why am I here in this world? Why am I different, unique, and responsible for something different and unique than any other human being on this planet? What is that? And a person has to go through life and go beyond their comfort zone to discover the answer. But always stay connected to that inner core, to that inner essence. That inner essence, that smallness, that small quantity but tremendous quality, that is the purpose of life. That's enduring, that's eternal. But don't push aside Don't say all the other things we're engaged with, sometimes for ulterior motives. For example, I may do 99 acts of charity and only one is done for the right reason. But the truth is that since I've discovered, I've arrived at an understanding, I've expressed my inner essence, that inner essence that wants to do good for others, that wants to connect with others, that wants to be a light to the world around me. Since I've discovered, I've tapped into, and I've expressed that on the hundredth time, the truth is that the 99 times before that are redeemed. Because I've expressed, I've shown my true colors, and it turns out that the 99 times before that, the true me really sought the betterment of the other person. The true me was really looking to do kindness. The ulterior motive was something superficial. It wasn't me. And this is something the fool doesn't understand. The fool looks at the world and he says, ah, meh, he dismisses the acts of other people that are not perhaps done with purity and with absolute integrity and focus of doing good for others. And they just wipe it away, push it aside, negate it. What they don't understand is that by doing it 99 times for the wrong reasons, so long as you're not hurting but you're helping, if you do it 99 times for the wrong reason and the 100th it's for the right reason, What you've revealed is that all 100 acts of charity were really an expression of your deeper self because you've connected with that deeper desire, that deeper will to give. And this is not only true in charity, it's true in everything. It's true in our connection with other people. We may ask ourselves, why smile? Why offer a kind word? Do I really care? Is it really me? It's not really me. But we're, in a certain sense, in our day and age, we're too attuned to ourselves to be a service to self. We're really hurting ourselves by being too in touch with ourselves. in a certain sense. What does this mean? By saying, this is not me. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling like being a kind person at the moment. It doesn't matter. The concept of fake it till you make it is very, very deep. Because if you set yourself up to do the right thing, even when you're not feeling like it, even when there's a certain lack of integrity, a lack of honesty, a lack of purity to that which you're expressing. But if you keep at it, if you keep at it, what you'll discover is that you really do mean it. And that quality that you arrive at through engaging with the world 
That's what we're after. That's what's enduring. But again, it reveals that the entire life lived was purity, was enduring, was eternal. That's what it reveals. An incredible, incredible thing. The sages relate that God gave us many, many commandments, many, many opportunities to engage with mitzvos, with good deeds, in order to bring us great reward. Rambam explains in his comments to the Mishnah in Tractate Makos that the intent in this teaching, the meaning behind this teaching, is that with many opportunities, a person will finally arrive at purity. With many opportunities, a person will finally arrive at a situation, they'll encounter a good deed, and that act that they will do will be a really pure expression of self. And that is eternity. Because the true deepest self lives on forever. And if a person gets to to express that through an act, through a good deed, that's the way a person can earn eternity. By expressing in this fleeting life, their eternal soul. That's how Rambam understands it. Maharal disagrees and Maharal says that that's not the meaning of the teaching. What the sages mean to relate is that God gave us many commandments, not so that we should meet many opportunities and finally arrive at that one moment of truth, but God gave us many commandments. I mean, God built into our essence the ability to perform many good deeds. God built into our very nature the connection with lots and lots of goodness. That's what it means when God gave us many commandments. Not just many opportunities, but an inherent connection. We see from both of these opinions, both approaches, both Rambam and Maharal, the incredible greatness that we all carry within ourselves. The the ability to express something pure, something eternal, as Rambam sees it. And as Maharal sees it, the innate ability, the innate connection with so many good deeds. A person could never have done kindness, could never have given charity, but they're born with a connection to charity. It's up to them to express it. A person could never have experienced the joy of Torah study, but they're born with an innate connection with the Torah that they can express, that they can experience, and so on and so forth with prayer and with so many of the mitzvos, so many of the commandments. We need to experience them. We need to experience them time and time again. We need to stop questioning all the time how it feels to us, if we're really in the zone, if it really is meaningful at the moment. Stick with it. You'll find the meaning. You'll connect with it in such an incredible way where it really, really connects to your deepest essence. So what we've learned is that we need to value quality over quantity. And we need to realize that quantity done right leads to quality. And we also learned about balance. And we have to balance our right and left by synthesizing, by being centered, by bringing the different elements, sometimes contradictory elements of life, together in a harmonious package. And always connecting everything we do back to our core, developing that core, at that, at our core, we are God's servant. At our core, we're God's child. We're always in that relationship. We may not be aware of it, but that's our deeper and inner core. Connect with that. Balance life. And ultimately, we'll achieve incredible effectiveness. And indeed, enduring an eternal success and reward. Thank you for listening and all the very best.